what AFT should do if they real if they really want to get a lot of people out there, yeah, like the jump is cool and all, cool, you know, but put like a fucking bus under that thing, like make it, you know what I mean? Make it like bit. Can you imagine if the twins were jumping a bus? Episode 54, Tank Slapping Podcast. Frankie Garcia is with me on the other line. What's up, man? How's it going? Yo, yo. it's going, man. It's going. I'm excited for another show. Let's do this. Yeah, dude, we got a good one, man. Uh, this guy was supposed to come on a few shows. Uh, it's, actually, it's probably about 10 shows deep now, but uh, a minute before the show, he texted me, and it was a no-go. But we got him on tonight. You got him on tonight, man. It's a... Uh, it's a it's a one of your neighbors pretty much growing up, man. Doug Chandler, local legend. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited, man. DC10, uh, kind of everything that I ever learned on a road racing bike, you know, came from Doug. And you know, he's always been a close, you know, close to my family. And you know, he grew up, you know, racing around my dad, and my dad was around him, and they were racing together. And and uh, it's kind of cool. I'm excited to have Doug on. Yeah. No, I'm excited to talk to him too. I, I don't know Doug super well. I've, I've gone to the shop when I was in Salinas hanging out with the Bauman's and, and I got to meet him there. And obviously being around the sport, I, I know him well uh, from his uh, racing career. He's a 19. I mean, everyone knows most of his stats, but we'll shout some out for the fans that might not know it. He's a 1983 AMA rookie of the year, three-time AMA Superbike champion. He has world Superbike wins, six grand Prix podium finishes. Um, we talked about it a little bit, but he's a factory Honda RS 750 rider. He rode the Harley Davidson Superbike. We'll talk to him about that a little bit. Grand Slam member. Um, he's one of, I want to say four or five people are probably listening. Like you should know this jackass, but he's one of a, a select few that have won the Grand Slam with a road race. And just, yeah, yeah just legendary, tons of wins in different disciplines. He's raced Supermoto. He's, He's done a, a lot of things, man. And so we'll we'll chat with him, get some thoughts on his career and maybe some thoughts on the racing today and see what see what that's like, Frankie. Yeah, no, I think it's gonna be really cool. Like I, I always think that like that that grand slam thing, like that's always always been like a huge thing for me and and to know Doug and to know that he's been one of the very few people to accomplish that has always been like I always like look at Doug and I'm like, you know dude, this guy's got a grand slam, like a real grand slam. Nothing against, you know, Briar and Jared, but Doug's got a real grand slam with a road race, not a flat track grand slam. So that's uh, that's always been really legendary to me just because I've, you know, been a road racer. I've been kind of, I ride everything. And for, you know, to know know somebody that's uh, got one of those real grand slams has always been, been pretty cool to me. I always thought that was the coolest thing about Doug. Yeah, well, I just looked it up. He's one of four riders to have a Grand Slam. Dick Mann, Kenny Roberts, who we've had on a couple shows ago, Bubba Schobert, and Doug Chandler. So Doug's Grand Slam, the road racing, wasn't part of the Grand National Series anymore, but he still won, obviously, since he's a three-time champ, but a handful of AMA Superbike wins. So um, yeah. he got his, his, road, his first road race win, um, according to the notes here, uh, big shout out to Bert Sumner and his website, the dairylandclassic.com dairylandclassic.com. Um, it says he got it in Lexington, Ohio, 1989 on the Kawasaki. So, um, yeah, so a lot of great stuff. We'll get him on. 
Before we get any too farther into this, I want to make sure we shout out our sponsors and make this show happen week in and week out. Big, big thank you to Bell Power Sports. They've been with us since day one. Check out bellhelmets.com to view their full line of products. If you start tank slapping, you want to be protected by Bell. Moto Helmets, Full Face, Road Race, Dirt, Bicycle Helmets. They have the best helmets in the game. Make sure you check them out. The Moto America Series, Road Atlanta, April 30th to May 2nd. Actually, Frankie Garcia, our own, is going to be racing in the bagger race at the uh, Road Atlanta event. They also got Junior Cup, Honus Superbike, Super Sport, Stock 1000, and Twins Cup. A lot of good races, full grids with fast riders. Make sure you check that out. And they are also partnering with AFT, the American Flat Track Series, offering the American Super Ticket. The Super Ticket will allow fans to attend both events in Atlanta for the low price of $99. Come watch me at the Atlanta TT, then go over and check out Frankie Garcia in the Bagger Cup. Frankie's going to crush it. I'm actually really excited for that. So yeah, really cool deal with Moto America. If you can't be there at the event, check out the action on the Moto America Live Plus package. Uh, We also want to thank DID Chain, all the major Supercross teams, flat track teams, road race teams use DID chains. The 520MX chain is what we use in our twins, the G&G Racing Twins. If you're curious on what chain is best for your application, hit DID up on social media at DID chain and send them a message. Ask them for their input on what best fits your bike and they'll get you dialed in. Jerry Stinchfield, making this happen, making the sport happen pretty much. Big thanks to him, commercialroofsystems.net nearly 40 years of experience we really appreciate jerry for uh just, just keeping the industry going and, and flat track Dunlop motorcycle tires the official tire of the american flat track series the dt4 f5 r5 we gave a set of those out just a couple weeks ago and we're gonna do another giveaway here in the near future i think next next episode we'll do another giveaway for for some tires so make sure you uh stay tuned for that hit dunlop up thank them for for supporting the industry and uh and the flat track and our podcast aim sports data the world leader in data acquisition gps lap timer i use it religiously the solo 2 dl and the solo 2 gps lap timer just tons of good data information if you have any questions about that product hit me up i use it all the time on race day i'm always constantly looking at that computer so check that out and the moo tool the moo tool slacker slacker it is a phenomenal product it checks your suspension in real time digital bluetooth make sure you check them out at moo tool it, it's been, it was developed by industry leading suspension companies like factory connection pro circuit and mb1 suspension to assure accuracy consistency and reliability it's a phenomenal phenomenal little gadget that i have in my van at all times i use it at the moto track i use it flat track Etc. So make sure you, you check out Mood Tool and uh, yeah, we really appreciate them coming on board and and supporting the podcast. It's easy for me to promote and market these companies because I use them and I I'm a believer in them. So yeah, definitely thank all of our sponsors for uh, making this show happen. I guess we could chat a little bit. Oh, man, I don't know, Frankie. I don't know what's going on. We're, we're definitely gonna, we've had some requests to call Noah Chambers, so we're definitely going to call him after we talk yeah, to Chandler. <laughs> and and get a get a follow up on on what the hell he's been up to. Um, I is he racing him. Atlanta? What's the deal? Is that still a part of the program? <laughs> That's the thing, I mean, man. We all talked about it, and then it, I don't know what happened from there. <laughs> I don't either. We were supposed to. I, yeah, 
Yeah. Do I need to buy a set of tires? Like, should I print graphics? Like, what, how, what do we got to do here? We actually had a lot of people like hit me up and say, Hey, I'll, I'll throw in a few bucks, you know, Tommy McGrain, I'll donate graphics. We had people wanting to do Robbie, Robbie, Bobby's going to buy his license. Uh, I think yep. the last I talked to him, he had some emails in to AFT to try and get his license again. And I don't know okay. where we're at with that. So we'll call we'll, it. We'll chat with him about that a little later. Yeah. And dude, the only thing I wanted to bring up, I thought it was kind of funny was they're calling the Atlanta TT a super TT. It's not a regular TT. It's a super TT. And I was just, I just, I just laugh. Like what is the difference between a super TT and a non-super TT, Frankie? I mean, I guess in, in, in their defense, I guess anything irregular from, you know, uh, uh, regular dirt, normal size TT is considered a super TT. I mean, we had the Arizona super TT, um, which was just a massive, humongous <laughs> trophy you know, truck. truck track. Yeah. Yeah. And then now we got the Atlanta super TT, the asphalt, like it's going to be fast on the banking. Like, I mean, maybe, maybe anything other than a regular TT is just, it's super. Well, Daytona so, was um, similar, but it was just the Daytona TT. So, um, yeah, I don't know then, what happened there. What went wrong? Yeah. Well, Peoria, if anything's going to be super, I would think Peoria would be super TT. You haul ass at Peoria. So, um, Peoria used to be a super TT and then they took the jump out. <laughs> they put it back. <laughs> they put it back. Uh huh. It's not, it's not what it used to be. Nah, which is good for me because I'm yeah, trying they, to go. They, yeah. They took the sender out of there. So I don't know if it's so super anymore. I mean, yeah uh, you know i'm sure we could ask doug about that too because he's ridden there my dad's racked his brain there uh my dad spent like a week in the hospital back in like the 80s or something like that um he you know weeded off the jump and just didn't remember anything and woke up in the hospital so yeah they took the super out of peoria that's for sure (laughs) yeah well i remember watching schnobs and uh jake jake johnson sending it like 140 over the jump and i'm just like yeah I can't do that. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Get on your twin and do it. No, I'm cool. Yeah. Well, I like the fact that we run twins on like Peoria TTs because no one's really hawking their twin super far off the jump. So I can kind of fit right into that, that whole operation. But when it comes to the four fifties and jumping 180 feet over the jump, pretty much landing in the middle of the right-hander, that's not the, uh, the play call for CTEX, man. I, I, I am not about that. I, uh, didn't, yeah. didn't Shana have a little bit of a moment on that? Yeah, dude, she had a big moment. I'll have, to dig, up, yeah, <laughs> I'll have to dig up that photo. Well, I have the photo yeah. cartwheeling off the front of the bike, man. It was that pretty could do before that. She was actually a pretty solid TT or like she podiumed amateur nationals on the TTs and, and, uh, and she was actually a pretty stout TT rider. And then she had that happen and kind of fucked with her a little bit. So uh, I don't, I don't blame her. Yeah, that's a pretty epic photo. So, um, pretty gnarly, pretty yeah, gnarly, <laughs> extremely. It's one of my favorite crash photos I've, I've ever seen. Like, uh, I don't know if that's <laughs> that's all right to say or what, but it's it's pretty epic. I mean, you already said it, so yeah, it is what it is. It's kind that's of funny, man. I've always we had a uh, I had a uh, um, a guest email me and they were like, Hey, you know, I love the show, you know, I love I love all the good information, but can you tone down the language a little bit? I can't really listen to it with my wife and kids. And I'm like, 
fuck, dude, I don't know what to tell you. I was like, maybe don't listen to it on the way to church on Sunday morning. But like, yeah, <laughs> the good thing Calm about our show is we bring it and we we are who we are on the show. We don't there's no bullshit like there's no politically correct nonsense on here. If you want to hear the truth and you want it raw and unfiltered, then this is kind of the pod you come to. Mm-hmm. So this is as real as it gets. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we, we've been getting a lot of listeners, man. The, the Kenny Roberts show was huge. And we have some listeners tuning in every week now because of that show. Um, so I appreciate everybody listening in, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're more of a PG 13 rated show. Um, when Chambers tunes in, if you're with your grandma, definitely turn it down for the Chambers segment. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, is, it is what it is. But yeah, we, we bring it raw. We, we send it to the hay bales week after week. So yeah. Um, yeah. With that being said, Frankie, let's let's get Doug Chandler on the line. Let's talk with him and let's get this. Is, is, do we have him yet? Is he in? Uh, he's he's about to chime in here any minute. Let, let let's ring him up and uh and make it happen. All right, all righty. Well, we got him on the line, Doug Chandler, DC Ten, Corey Texter, Frankie Garcia with Tank Slapping Podcast. Man, how are you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're, we're doing it, man. We're doing it. We appreciate you coming on. We, I'm amped on it. I was amped when we were going to get you on before and just, just mm. to chat with you a little bit, man, a lot of cool stuff to talk about. And we got Frankie on as well, and he knows you pretty damn good. So yeah, it's going to be a good show, man. I, again, thanks for, thanks for taking the time. Yep. No problem. So let's get right into it, man. Uh, 1983 AMA rookie of the year. Uh, before that though, I want to go into your amateur days a little bit, kind of how you got started with, uh, with this motorcycle racing deal and, and, uh, talk about where you raced at as an amateur and maybe some of the, the guys you uh, grew up with in the, the mini bike days a little bit. Boy, you're making me think hard on that, man. Now that goes all the way back ago. to 19. Yeah. 1972. I think my first race was uh, Monterey fairgrounds. We used to have a really good little short track there. Um, a lot of good guys used to go there and race. Uh, but what got me started was my next door neighbor at the time, Jim Chisholm. Um, it just started a, a Kawasaki shop. Well, actually back then he didn't even have Kawasaki. I think it was Indian and something else. He used to do wheelies up and down our street and just, you know, <clears throat> I would be in awe what he could do. And he convinced my dad to take me over to that Monterey fairgrounds and, uh, let us well let me try racing and kind of once we got doing that it kind of hooked us and when my brother got old enough he got a bike and that's all we did um you know and it's still kind of doing it today you know not as much as i was back then but still like going to the races that's for sure yeah that monterey that monterey short track is, is pretty legendary obviously um you know we we i i come from the Sweden, california uh, monterey county area as well and my dad raced there and you know, I, I just hear stories from all the local guys, you know, Monterey short track, Monterey short track about how good it was. And, and uh, you know, we definitely, you know, all of us, you know, younger Salinas guys that grew up racing flat track, we definitely missed out on those days. Yeah. Yeah. That was like a little gladiator pit you had. I think it was a 10 or 12 foot wall around the whole place. And um, it was pretty good. You know, it was definitely entertaining to go out there um, for some reason or another. I always enjoyed going out and watching the 500 novice class. You knew there was going to be a couple of them riding the walls. And so it was always a good show. You guys have a lot of cool racetracks in Cal. I mean, in that area, the, the North Cal area, I mean, even 
uh, Monterey short track, even for me, like when I was out there, you guys have the, the Salinas, the fairgrounds deal and Chowchilla, a couple of the racetracks that, that I've been to in Northern California, obviously Lodi. Did you race at Lodi much growing up? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was, well, you know, at the time, you know, we were going for the district points, you know, district 36 was our kind of central California region. And that was part of that, that group, but it wasn't uncommon. You know, when I was coming up, I think on eighties, one hundreds, you know, during the summer we could race four times a week. Um, we used to have Fremont or Baylands Wednesday nights, Friday night, we'd go to Lodi. They would have a TT or something. Saturday night, we could be back still over in the Valley, you know, Oakdale or Newman. And then Sunday we had a, a quarter mile here, you know, at Salinas airport that we could come back and, and race either the quarter mile or a TT. So there was a time where we could definitely get some, get some racing in. And I really got shafted in my day. All I had was Lodi. That's all we went yeah. every weekend. We're just Lodi, Lodi, Lodi. And then every, every now and again, mm-hmm. you get like Stockton Speedway and, and, uh, yeah. you know, so we started riding the Eddie Mulder series and, you know, started doing some cushion stuff down South and whatnot, but man, you guys had it mm-hmm. good. I hear, you oh, know, like yeah. I said, yeah, I heard my well, dad talk about it. And Corey made another, you know, point on the sports complex here, which, you know, we would always get to race that once a year, and it was called the ENR benefit. Um, and I think that would get a bigger turnout than shit, some of the nationals that, you know, I was still going to when I was still flat tracking. It was huge, you know, and that was a one time a year deal. And I don't think I never did get to race it as a mini bike because they had too many entries. It was, you know, all big bikes. And at that, you know, those guys they'd get three, 400 entries, no problem, you know, and have a full grandstand was just crazy for an amateur race. It's kind of funny. You bring up like the fairgrounds and, and, and I didn't know, I just, that to my knowledge, you know, I didn't know that Jim Chisholm was the guy that, that introduced you to to motorcycles like that. And, and I just find it funny because like my dad, my dad, uh, my dad rode for, um, you know, Salinas Kawasaki and, and, you know, we got the leather, we still got the leathers, you know, in the garage, but Mm -hmm. even funnier that you bring up the Salinas fairgrounds. Um, my, I I just recently found this out about three months ago. Um, Josh Chisholm called me and he goes, dude, I got to tell you a funny story. And I was like, what's that? And he goes, dude, back in the day at the Salinas fairgrounds, they used to do the race there. And and he goes, your dad used to ride the father son race with my dad. He goes, we were too young. We were, you know, and and he goes and my grandpa didn't ride my grandpa didn't you know mm. my dad's dad didn't didn't ride he worked a lot mm. my grandma would take him to the races and he's like yeah your dad used to ride the father-son race with my dad i thought that was pretty funny yeah that's funny that's funny yeah no jim did a lot of good for a lot of us here um you know he sponsored your dad me and my brother you know keith day ran you know the green and black leather there was a number of us and those things were good and at the time i think I know we had kind of a a deal with Kawasaki through the Team Green program, and geez, that would have been that's pushing like late '70s because I had a KX80 uh, that you know they sent us all the specs on how to port the cylinders and do it all up, and I think that was the last 80 I was riding up until I turned 14 and was able to go up to a 250. Um, but yeah, that was that was a good time. Well. I know growing up the the black plate the black plate number one is it was anyway it was a big deal I mean 
even oh, for me as an amateur, you've always heard about, oh yeah, the you know, out in California winning that black plate number one was was just big. And we've had guys on, we've had Chris Carr on, we've had had the Bostroms, mm-hmm. we've had Murphy, and they've talked about their Lodi kind of rivals a little bit, the amateur kids who were just really fast. Um, any of those guys that we might recognize their names from like the ADCC days or maybe some riders that just never kept it going that were super fast? I think, well, me and Chris kind of, uh, I think I was a year ahead of him and he was, I think, two years ahead of my brother. Um, but we kind of, oh, I know we started racing together mid seventies and continued up until I think I had him as my teammate in 95 on the Harvey. Um, so it's, it's, it's been kind of cool that, you know, two of us kind of come from the same area together and did all the racing together and, uh, had fun doing it. But there was a number of guys that were, I'd say as fast as us, if not faster, but you know, might, I don't know if you'd call it pet peeve, but, there's a lot of people, you know, our parents that put a lot of pressure on the kids to, you know, race, 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 which uh, if the kids want to, I think it's good. But if they're pressured into it, you know, you do it a number of years, especially young and all you're getting is trophies. There's going to come a time or point to where it's like, you know, I'm done with this. And a lot of them, have, you know, I, I seen that and, you know, they were good enough to continue with it but just had enough of it you know which is kind of a shame because you get old enough or get old enough to where you can at least start making something doing it you're burnt out from doing it already so that's you know that's a that's a tough call you know you want to gain the experience but you don't want to get burnt out in the process i guess that's what i'm saying no 100 percent. yeah i i agree i mean you see it a lot even with kids today it's like it's yeah, um yeah. a lot of kids that i grew up with that used to whoop our asses they just, um, they just don't race anymore. So yeah, no, I was just, I was just curious about kind of those names a little bit. What's your relationship like with Chris now? Do you guys still, can, you talk a little bit? I mean, I know you guys are obviously yeah, both super on occasion. busy. But, I mean, yeah. he's, he's, he's back where you're at now in Pennsylvania. Yep. And, um, you know, uh, I think the last time I talked to him probably was last year, right before COVID. I think we were trying to put it together a, a little flat track reunion um, out here in Salinas at the Posse Grounds. Um, no big race, but just kind of a, a show get together and uh, try to get a track, you know, rideable to where, you know, if you had some bikes, you go out there and spin some laps. Um, still pushing. Hopefully we can get that done, you know, the end of this year. But uh, yeah, I talked to him about coming out and doing that if possible. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be awesome. No, I, a lot of cool things. I mean, I, as an amateur racing in California. And then you started making that transition to the professional days. Talk about that. What was your first pro ride? When did you make that decision? Did you go pro when you were 16 and talk about that transition a little bit? Well, like going back to what you were talking about, the black plate thing. um, You know, we did a lot of that on the mini bike because that's, you know, we were kind of at the end of our line as far as, where else you could go we started doing some of the amateur nationals which was kind of cool i think i won four championships in 78 back in new york um but then when we turned 14 we were able to ride the 250s and you know you're the first year you're starting over so you got to go through novice junior expert um 15 15 and a half i think i was able to 
how'd that work? No, I couldn't go pro until I was 16, but it was tough to kind of go after the, the black plate, um, on the big bikes, because I think the next step that you were looking forward to doing was to go pro. And if you did all the races, well, you're going to miss a bunch to, you know, put you in contention for the black plate one. So that kind of kept us away from that, but I'm trying to think. I started, you know, Chisholm sponsored me. He built or got me my first KX250 and a champion frame. That was my first big bike. Um, then I had another guy helping me on a 500 Yamaha. But I think the following year, I kind of got a thing put together with Sherry's dad, Jerry Griffith. And he started getting me on the Hondas, which were like year or two year old bikes that um, Jeff Haney, Mickey Faye, some of the, those guys had ridden. Um, so I had an air-cooled 250 and a water-cooled 250. I think the red engine, which I think Bostrom's ended up with that thing. But anyway, that was the bike I won Santa Fe on, and that was my first national win. And that was I right believe it. I turned 16, or actually, no, 17 and a half then, yeah. I believe that red engine 250 now sits across the street from uh, Laguna Seca at the Anthony Giamacco's house, all restored up by, uh, by Dave Boss from himself. Maybe is that one of the ones? Maybe. Well, the one that I don't know where it ended up, but that guy had that little museum over in Fresno. That was the last place I had seen it. It had my um, body work and everything on it. It didn't have the you know original motor but it was, you know, the bike. Um, but back then too, Corey, I think the rules were a little bit different how we um, were able to move up. I think 16, we, were, we got our novice license and they had a rule in there to where if I had so many points mid-year, I was able to bump up to a pro junior. But once I did that, I had to, whenever I did move up, I was stuck as a junior a full year. So it was kind of funky. I'd never really completed the full seasons as novice junior because halfway through the novice year, I went to junior and I raced the end of that year. And then the start of <laughs> that next year as a junior. And then when I, I guess, did my time, I went on up to expert. So that got me to an expert a half a year sooner than what it would have if I would have, you know, done each year individually as a novice, junior, and then expert. So you never went kind for like, in- yeah, well, I was just curious. I mean, I, so like basic, like it wasn't really on your radar to win the novice championship or the junior no, title. It, it was, no, it was more to kind of, you know, get up to the expert class as soon as possible. I yeah. really don't know why um, that just seemed to be more important than kind of staying and, you know, winning the novice championship or the junior championship. Um, what was the was difference really in tough. payout, Doug? I, I actually don't know between novice, junior and expert. Was it significant? I mean, um, I'm sure there was a, a bit of difference. You know, the novice, you were pretty, it was pretty easy because you're on a 250, regardless of what you're going to ride, you know, short track, quarter mile, TT. You're on a 250. As a junior, you know, we still had 250s for the short track, but now on a TT half mile, you had a choice of a restricted 750 or uh, a 500 single. Um, 
but what was tough then was, you know, that year that I did go expert mid season, going to Houston as a junior and watching, you know, Randy Green and I think there was somebody else that put it in the, you know, made it in the national. I'm thinking, shit, you know, I'm giving these guys a half a year and these are the guys I'm going to have to, you know, race for the rookie championship. So that was kind of a, you know, uh, we ended up being rookie expert, but that was something I had, you know, I didn't even think we had a chance for because, you know, I'd given those guys a half a season straight at the beginning of the year and, I'm watching, I think it was Randy Green and Pete Hames, you know, you know, getting national points at the first part of the year. And I'm thinking, man, this is going to be tough. Hey, Doug, talk, let's talk a little mm-hmm. bit more. I mean, I've always been super interested, like, and I know a lot just because I'm, you know, been, been around you and, and just been around the area, but I, I've always been interested in like, you know, the, the Hondas that Jerry built and, and your, your time with, you know, with Honda and, I think that was a pretty cool time in like your career. I mean, when I think of Doug Chandler, I think of like Honda flat tracking and I think of like Kawasaki road racing and then the Kajiva days. Um, Yeah. But but even, that even goes back a step further. I think Frankie, as far as, you know, before Jerry was with Honda, he was doing uh, Kenny Roberts frame stuff. You know, Kenny's last year's flat tracking on Yamaha's were the, the KR frame stuff. Um, And that's, you know, and then, I think right just a little bit before that or in that era was when Jerry had the track in Oakdale, which was you know, epic. Um, you know, on occasion we'd be over there Saturday night and, you know, Kenny would make an appearance and be on the outside of turn two watching it. I'd always have to make a, make a point to go over there and stand by him. You know, I wouldn't say nothing, but just standing next to him was cool. You know, so I, that was big for me as a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like those, uh, I mean, there's not a lot of, it's hard to find, like, obviously nowadays if you want to see something, there's the videos and pictures and mm-hmm. every, of everything. But like those days, I mean, there were some cool bikes, like some cool Hondas that you oh, rode. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's, there's a lot yeah. of them that have been like, um, you know, brought back to life by Dave Bostrom, like we mentioned. And, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, Anthony Jumaco has a lot of them, uh, you know, a good handful of them and, and, you know, yeah. kind of the history of them and, you know, right there across the street from Laguna Seca. But I mean, you know, they had, like you said, there was, you know, the, uh, the two fifties and then they had the, um, the five, the five hundreds or the six hundreds. I don't remember what they were. And then obviously the RS seven fifties. Yeah. The first five hundreds, I think were the coolest. Those were the old XRs. Um, but we, uh, I think I ran those as a junior, um, that was a twin shock bike still. So it was the same as our two fifties, but that thing, uh, I don't know. I, I thought that was the coolest bike out of all of them that I had seen that, um, you know, Jerry had built that thing. They put a lot of work and time into it. I mean, they kind of made a hand pretty much handmade side case with a third supporting bearing for the crank, you know, just to keep it from busting. So, you know, to me to look at that thing and not see a, a stock side case you know see this billet piece of aluminum with all these cool passages and welds on it you know that was pretty special um you know and then the rs's which didn't really make a lot of sense to me you know they kind of got rid of the 252 strokes for the short track saying they're saving us you know money and work and just gonna run the four strokes but yeah, all they did was move it from a 252 stroke to a 500 four-stroke single because 
that was all we could ride on the short track. The TTs, you know, we could ride a 600. So you couldn't, you could use the same thing, but you were at a disadvantage. And so you still ultimately had to have a, a short track bike, a TT bike, and then your half mile mile bikes. Yeah. Well, me and Frankie were talking about it before you came on the show. Obviously, you're a Honda mm-hmm. guy. That's how I know you. You know, the Honda flat track guy. Um, did you ever ride an XR 750 or were you just strict? Yep. Strict? yep. Okay. Again, on the, <laughs> that, was, that was a funny time, you know, being I would had support from <clears throat> Honda Novice Jr. But when I went expert mid season, you know, the, the Hondas were all new and they were putting everything they had just to try to get something, you know, to compete. So my old sponsor, Jim Chisholm, bought me a XR750 from Carl Patrick, sight unseed. And I think I drove back to Knoxville, Tennessee and picked it up there. And that was my first time on a XR750. Oh, that's awesome. So, Carl oh, that was a good time though. I mean, to yeah, to meet up with him and it was, uh, at the time, I think it was, he had it badged as uh, Steve Moorhead's half mile bike. Um, but yeah, that was a good time. And I think later that year was uh, on that bike, we almost won DuCoin. That was when Hank won the first mile on the Honda. It was him, Bubba, and me across the finish line. And that's what I was on was that XR750. That's wild. Yeah, I, I had no yeah. idea. We were we were curious. I was like, man. Well, I got I got a question for you later in the show uh, in our last segment. That now that you've mentioned that, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask that. But man, I'm I'm looking at the podium list here, and um, just from back in the day, and you were you raced with some heavy hitters, and the, the '80s is really. I mean, everyone talks about the '90s and being like the prime flat track era, but I mean, the '80s mm. is underrated. I mean. I'm looking at Ricky yeah. Graham, Hank Scott, Bubba Schobert, mm-hmm. um, you know, oh man, Alex Jorgensen, Alex, Randy, Randy Gall was still alive. Yep. yep. Ackland Randy Parker Man was still in there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You guys, it yeah, was stacked. Actually, yeah. G-Man was my teammate. Um, 85 Goss Chandler year. And I just, he was out not last year the year before he was out here at laguna so i got to see him um that was that was pretty cool to see randy that was good so doug i mean obviously you're born and bred flat tracker you're from salinas california yep but and this is probably another thing i like you know being around you you know for a lot of my life and knowing you so well how did you get into road racing like what made that transition well that's that's a good question um Again, going back as any kid would do, you know, you, you start somewhere and we started flat tracking. Um, and you're always looking to move up or advance or what the next step of progress would be. Um, you know, through the years, you're a novice junior expert, be it on 80s, 100s, you know, and then you get old enough, you can do it on 125s, 250s, 500s. Now, you know, I'm a pro expert, won a few races, been kind of in the hunt for the championship a few times then with honda um with rj reynolds sponsoring the whole series it was actually a combined series at the time you know but you're going against what we have almost 30 flat track races in a season and then six or seven road races those road races counted toward you know the championship but there just wasn't enough of them to 
you know, to have any of the road race guys in the points. Um, and Honda thought at the time, the races that didn't conflict with our flat track, let's see if our guys can go out there and, and get a handful of points. You know, I mean, a lot of times one, two points, you know, can mean, you know, a championship position. And that's what kind of introduced us to the road racing side of things. You know, when I was flat tracking, I thought it was great. You know, we had Harley Davidson, we had Honda, you know, we had full stands, we had all these riders trying to qualify for these events. Um, but my first road race, geez, that's 84 loud in New Hampshire. You go in the pits there and it's not just Harley and Honda, it's Harley, Honda, Suzuki, Kawasaki, you see all these other manufacturers and it's like, wow, there's a, there's somewhere else to go. And, you know, there's more manufacturers involved on this side of things. Um, and it just kind of interested me, you know, something new. Uh, and again, being a kid, you want to see if you could kind of maybe take that step and how far you could go with that on, uh, that's just kind of the way I went. You know, it was like I flat tracks my first love. I still enjoy it now, but there's just so much more to be had in the road racing. You know, I mean, flat track top level is here in the U.S. Road race, if you get good enough, you potentially could take it to Europe. Um, and, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to do that for four years. And again, it's just another step up the ladder which I think helped keep me interested and not burn out because it was always something new, a new challenge to kind of keep pushing yourself. Um, and it was really enjoyable. You know, the, a lot of the road racing stuff really, I wouldn't say it, it does cross over. Um, there's a few things I think that uh, a guy riding a, a mile can kind of really bring over to the road race. I think just, the sensation of speed, you know, having the wind in your face or helmet um, and having the bike wiggle around or, or being loose underneath you is a, is a plus. You know, a lot of the guys coming from a street background don't have that sense or they're not comfortable with a bike being that loose underneath them to where, you know, a flat tracker, it's kind of second nature. The thing's going to slide, spin, you know, wiggle around. It's no problem. Um, so I think that kind of helps you a little bit on the learning curve, but there's just so much more involved in the road racing. You know, you have so much more adjusting on the bikes. Um, you know, the engines can go up, down, forward, back in the chassis, swing arm pivots up, down, you know, head angle in, out, forward, in. It's just limitless. And a lot of times you can almost tune yourself out of the race versus you know, having all these adjustabilities to make the bike better, you tend to go backwards a lot of times. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you rode a lot of different shit, man. Like a lot of different brands. I'm, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. team Roberts, you rode the Yamaha, you rode the lucky strike. I think that was a Suzuki, um, Suzuki 92, the Kajiva Cali. Mm -hmm. I think you, you rode Ducati for a little bit there toward the end of your career. And, Obviously, yeah. you mentioned it already, but you uh, rode for the, the Harley Davidson team in the AMA 95. Superbike Series. So, um, 
man, I, I, it's way too much to talk about for one show, but yeah, I wanted to talk yeah. a little bit. Grand Prix racing, uh, you did it from 91 to 94 and you were really successful. I mean, you have six podium finishes. It, it was no joke back then. It was, it was the, the grids were yeah. stacked. Um, what was that experience like from a, a kid from California going over and racing over against the best in the world and in, in the Grand Prix series? I was, it was good. It was a, you know, another new challenge, um, which you, you know, you take on for sure. Um, and when you kind of start getting a taste of success, you know, I mean, we started, we did have some pretty good results. I think I had two pole positions at tracks, you know, I had never seen or been at before, which was, um, I thought pretty good. You know, a lot of times, I mean, that level of competition is so high. It's, you know just a tenth here a tenth there and you're you're out the back um it's so close but it was you know like i said i was fortunate to have that chance to go do that um and it's just it's huge it's i would have never thought a motorcycle racer or racing motorcycles would be as big as it is as going to europe i mean you're pretty much a superstar over there I guess it would be equivalent to you know a, a football player or basketball player you know here in the states you go in restaurants people recognize you which you know was a first for me it was just you're in awe of how big it is over there and Doug so you I mean obviously you spent some time over there and then what kind of what kind of major transition you know back to the states mm. That was a tough one. Um, I mean, I struggled a little bit my first year at Kajiva 93. And I guess if I was to ever want to throw my hands up any time in my racing career, it would have been that year. Um, I had a throttle stick on me, second race in at Malaysia. Uh, I was not impressed with that. Um, and then they did a few other things that kind of went sideways and you know I was really close to just you know what I'm over it um but we kind of redid some things 94 was kind of a starting over year um we struggled a little bit but I thought we you know started doing pretty good again I mean we were doing we had some good results going but we had some mechanicals that kind of don't really show what we could have done um so that was a bit frustrating 95 getting stuck without a ride in europe and coming back here and then not to say it was a bad thing you know the only thing open was the harley i thought shit <laughs> this is going to be tough you know i mean you you do all these years and you keep getting on better faster cooler tricker you know really exotic bikes don't hold back, Doug. How was it? How was that Harley? <laughs> well, okay. And then, you know, all of a sudden you're getting thrown back to, you know, one of your starting points. I'm not, I'm not saying a Harley was a, a bad bike, but just, I think anytime, even later on in that, you know, a, a couple of years after that, when um, I was on the Kawasaki and they wanted me to get back on the 600, it was like, mm, just, I don't know, to me, going backwards isn't, it's not going forward. You always want them to get on a better bike, a faster bike, you know, the, the, yeah. the next bigger class and coming back, you know, from GP back to the U S to do super bike. 
uh, it was kind of like, man, I, I don't know. But the Harley deal was actually better than I thought it was. You know, working with uh, Steve Scheibe was enjoyable. I kind of felt I let them down in the sense that Daytona was a disaster. I had a guy crash, I think, the first lap, and I do a yard dart in the infield and break my collarbone. So I'm out then. Come back, have uh, Ting played it. Um, come to Laguna to do a test. I lose the front going up in the corkscrew, fall on that same shoulder and break the plate and my collarbone again. So it kind of, I only, I don't think I did a half a season with them healthy. You know, I was kind of hurt the whole first half. Um, and the bike without the bodywork, I thought was a pretty sexy looking bike. You know, it was, it was legit. It just, that bodywork kind of made it look oldish. Um, but it, it, you know, it was a, a real motorcycle i guess a real race bike i mean we had good stuff on it and they were trying hard um i just think the design of that thing was behind a couple of years as far as being what was modern at the time that thing was you know like i said probably three or four years old you know all chain drive versus gear drive i mean it it had its points of showing its age but you know it, it still competed i think chris at Pomona that year sat pole. Yeah. Um, you know, on, on a tight twisty track, the thing was good. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, thinking about it, it's, it's actually cool that they even tried to put that effort together. I mean, a, a Harley mm-hmm. super bike against, you know, all the Japanese manufacturers. That's, I mean, that's, it's really cool. It's just, yeah, it didn't look like it was as obviously as competitive as it, as it needed to be. But I mean, but you know, a funny point, Corey, on all this, harley racing road race i mean they've done it in the years through the years even in the past kajiva is the old aramaki factory and in the office of the president there's the factory when i was there 93 95 is hd you know because that's who harley used to build their two-stroke motors at the time Mm. when when they were doing i think some of the flat track but you know road race back in the 60s i guess it was all the same stuff yeah yeah there's 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 a lot of different connections in all of this it's pretty crazy no it's funny you mentioned that actually i didn't even i didn't even think of that connection but yeah no it's uh it's interesting when you went overseas did you did you ever come back and i don't i don't know offhand but did you do any more flat track stuff after you went over Mm -hmm. and started road racing no not over there at europe then you were fairly cautious of what you did. Um, just putting yourself at risk to get injured, to be able to, you know, ultimately you, you did what you had to, but you know, the main goal was to stay healthy to where you could go do your races in Europe. If you got hurt over there doing those, that's one thing. But if you get, you know, twist your ankle, break leg, flat track and having fun here, it, it wouldn't have made a lot of points with that. So yeah, I kind of, shied away from it it wasn't until i think when i was kind of finishing up the road race stuff because i did a little bit of supermoto there at the end and then we started you know doing getting back more into the flat track stuff i think at the time you know chachilla was just starting to get going um they've had a couple of different versions of that track and the one 
that I was going to, I, I liked the shape. It was more paper clips. So it wasn't so much one line. You actually had to bend it at the end of the straightaway. And that kind of opened up the corner to where you're not having to, you know, bump and root and all that stuff. So you could actually pass guys cleanly without much, I guess, not getting too close to one another. So I enjoyed that, you know, on a track where it's a little bit rounder, you're pretty much stuck to the shortest line around the track. It's going to be the fastest, which is normally going to be on the bottom. So it's hard to actually race cleanly and to me put on a good show for the spectators. You know, I kind of always preferred something a little bit narrower, a little bit longer straightaway, but, you know, definitely a good corner that you got to, you know, bend it and get it turned and come back the other way with. You are an animal, an absolute animal on a mountain bike and a, and a, and a road bike. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you have your DC 10, you know, uh, shop right. there in Salinas, California now. And, yeah. and, uh, you know, you're, you're, you know, you transitioned in, into a hardcore cyclist. I mean, that's a whole nother part of, you know, Doug Chandler's life there. Yeah. But I, I think that kind of goes back to the motorcycle stuff, anything two wheels. I mean, you know, motorcycles were, we got the engine for us, but bicycles were self-powered but it's very similar and it's a it's a good crossover um and with me i think i busted my ankle three times coming up through flat track and so i i was not a runner i couldn't do anything high impact so that's what got me on the bicycle um yeah and i think anymore nowadays if i can't get out and ride two or three times a week it it just clears my head, you know, just to get out on your own and start pedaling, you know, do something to kind of exert yourself, uh, burn off a little energy, I think is a good thing. Yeah. I was going to say, talk about the joy. Cause I, I like the, I like the bicycle too. And yeah. the joy for me uh, of just cycling, it, it's just an unexplainable kind of joy that I have. I mean, obviously I like to go ride my motocross mm-hmm. bike. I like to go in circles and slide and, and things like that. Um, and I run a little bit too. I, I actually enjoy running. Thankfully I can, my ankles aren't too trashed up yet where I can run, but the, the joy of cycling, just getting out there and riding the pedal bike, it's just for somebody that races motorcycles. And then you wouldn't think getting off a, an, an engine powered bike and getting on a pedal bike is something that somebody like people like us would enjoy, but it, yeah, it's just, it's just a good, it makes me feel, I don't know. It's like a, it's like therapy for me as well. I just, I really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, you, you spent a lot of time, as Frankie said, mountain biking, but you also road bike a little bit and, uh, and you, you have your DC 10 shop. And I wanted to talk about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. What, what exactly does, do you guys do at DC 10? I know you work on motorcycles a little bit. You, you sell bicycles. Mm -hmm. I think you're a Scott dealer, um, some other brands as well. Talk about DC 10 a little. I'm I'm mainly giant now. Um, COVID kind of changed a bunch of stuff. Um, yeah, the front half's mainly bicycles, and then I got a little back shop that I got a dyno and some stuff, um, and I'll, I'll work on some motorcycles. Um, I think our main focus on the motorcycles right now are these damn bull tacos. Um, I got mine and Rod Spencer's in here. I'm kind of doing some stuff on those, so hopefully we'll get to run them this year somewhere, and you know, one of us will do pretty good on them, but yeah. That's you know, a good duo. Yeah, yeah, it's a good, a good duo. Fun. I mean, for full taco I, I got, cup. I got him riding. I got him riding dirt bikes with me too. So we're we're training together and everything. <laughs> so we're having fun. 
two old guys. <laughs> That's a deadly North Cal combo for sure. When you guys show yeah, up in the Bull should, Taco Cup, that'll be good. We should be okay. Um, <laughs> going back to the bicycle stuff, the road stuff, I had a lot of enjoyment. I mean, and you know how it is, Corey. It, if you can go out on your own and not have to contend with a lot of cars, you know, just where you can kind of enjoy your ride. If you can get a nice roll going, it's so cool. Um, mm. And when Briar and Bronson were still out here, I would suck Briar in. He, you have to ask him about one of these Saturday morning ride stories that I'd suck him in with me and go do with the Monterey guys. It was fun. We'd put him, I mean, this was when he was young and dumb, put him out front and he would just turn himself inside out for us. And then once he ejected, you know, me and my buddy Josh would just pin it and and take off and leave him high and dry. It's so much fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he he's he's told me he's had the call. He's had the call for uh for help on uh some of his younger younger mm-hmm. days on rides with you guys. So um and mm-hmm. you bring up a good point. Uh you know a couple more questions here and we'll do our last segment and let you go. But you mentioned Briar and Bronson you know, a lot of, we, we've talked about it, many shows on here before, a lot, a lot of fast riders from Salinas and from North Cal in general, but yeah, Briar is a current, you know, he's back to back, you know, super twins champion. Sorry, I had to think yep. of the right term, super twins, uh, super twins champion. And what are your thoughts on that? I mean, did you kind of see it from them? You, you watched them grow up. I mean, they were always in the shop yeah, hanging out no, for sure. It, it, it mainly, I think, anyone there's i think there's more people with the ability to win championships more so than there is the opportunity and saying that you know you knew for yourself there's only a handful of bikes that are capable um i'm not i hadn't really followed the flat track now but it it seems like pretty much everything now with the indians they're pretty competitive now um you know before you you needed to be on the factory bikes um same with the road race it was rare to be a privateer and have success or or win a championship but i'm just saying that in the point of the ability of most or a lot of the riders you know i think there's more guys who are capable of doing that than there are spots for that opportunity I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right. Um, and they were just, you know, they stayed hard, kept their heads down, kept pushing, you know, and they, you know, were fortunate enough to get that, that right chance to, you know, get on something good or be with a good team and, you know, get a championship. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I definitely, uh, you know, obviously being from the area, I got to see, mm-hmm. you know, Brian Bronson grow up and, and, you know, I remember them, you know, riding sixties, you know, and out of, you know, out on Zavala mm-hmm. road and, 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 but it just seemed like, you know, when they were kids from when they were younger, like there was always like, they were different, you know, they were different. They always had that mm-hmm. drive. They were always fast. They were always, you know, pushing themselves. And, you know, obviously Barry and Lisa were, were, were there to mm-hmm. support it a hundred percent, you know, they yeah, did it with family, but, yep. but, uh, I mean, they were always fast and they were always pushing and they were always like next level and, and, I guess, you know, I guess you could kind of see that, you know, where they ended up and where they are now. I mean, when you go look, I look back to when we were younger and, and you know, you, when you, when you look at it in the big picture and you, you know, you, you kind of saw that coming and you just didn't know it. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, it it was there. It was just you know getting them the right opportunity, I guess. Um, and I I see them. I see a lot of myself in them. You know, coming up the way I did. You know, racing all the time, just like what they were doing. Um, and when I started doing the flat track stuff, I think they were still doing the 80s in Chowchilla and so just riding with them and I think I got to ride with them when they first got on the bigger bikes maybe the 250s at that um place in Chular we did that practice down there so I got to ride with them out there and that was fun yeah no that's that's just a cool story like I know you guys you just mentioned you were road biking with him and and then down the road now he's a now he's a two-time champ so uh just hometown love there that that's always that's always pretty cool um yeah i don't have much else man i got this last i mean well there's tons i could talk to you about um this the last segment we usually bring up here it's called the higher low line i have a couple that Mm -hmm. i wanted to ask it pretty much this or that pick one or the other and maybe a brief explanation on why you pick that um the first one I got for you, would you rather win a Grand Prix race? You got six podiums, but you never actually got, got the win. Or would you rather win a World Superbike Championship? I'd rather win a uh, race. Grand Prix, huh? Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I did win two World Superbike races, um, and they were trying to convince me to stay and do that at Kawasaki. But, again, you're looking – at this picture, do I just kind of move sideways from the U.S. Superbike to the European Superbikes? I mean, at the time when they would come and race with us at Brainerd, um, and as well, I think they did a couple of rounds or a few years in Canada too. You know, they really didn't have anything for us. You know, the Canadians or the U.S. guys, we were able to compete, and so to me, that wasn't a significant step up the ladder to where you know you're looking at gp that's that's a that's a big step up to get the opportunity to do that um you know you got these two pictures in your hand pay is going to be the same do i go sideways or do i take a full step up uh to me it's a no-brainer yeah yeah and frankie while while i'm reading these off if you have any you want to you want to chime in with uh throw one his way I, I know you know him really well but yeah next one i got for you i've i've heard many many stories of ascot it's it's legend my mm-hmm. dad would talk about ascot all the time and and you mentioned santa fe tt was your i think that was, you mentioned that was your first win so uh what was yeah. your favorite tt was it ascot tt or was it santa fe tt i liked them both i would probably pick ascot just because it was a little bit bigger longer um track with i wouldn't say better dirt but a little bit racier dirt you know not quite one line um and i seen your dad kick the back of his helmet at ascot one night too (laughs) (laughs) which was pretty easy to do with that stuff being so sticky i heard Um, it was gnarly yeah it, it was pretty unique dude it was something it was almost like riding around somewhere with your foot on the brake you know when you roll it off it would stop and that's how ascot was without touching the brake you roll off that stuff would just you know bog you down so it was it was pretty cool um you had to kind of learn to ride that and kind of trust that dirt you know knowing that you could kind of lean the thing over and you know it wasn't going to let go on you 
Yeah. Um, I guess that's what kind of made it pretty, you know, unique. Well, with those two TTs, our next our next race in the American Flat Track Series is uh, is Atlanta TT, and it's mm-hmm. it's like sixty percent. I don't know if you saw the track map, but it's sixty percent pavement and forty percent dirt. I, actually, I'm gonna say it. It looks like it's seventy percent pavement, thirty percent dirt. Would something like that would that have ball. been cool for you? Yeah, I, that would have been kind of fun. Um, right up your alley. I mean, that kind of well, that gets you thinking more of you know uh, way back the super bikers and then the supermoto stuff kind of like that and that's you know i started doing the supermoto and when i started doing that to me that reminded me so much of a perfect tt a track that perfect TT wasn't gonna a perfect tt it never got rough it stayed smooth no holes none of that shit and you didn't have to you know maintain it you didn't have to water it graded or none of that it was always perfect and that's how i looked at the supermoto stuff you know it was always the same it was pretty cool i've got i've got one question i mean we talked about you know you're racing as a child you're you're you know your flat track career how that transitioned into road racing and all these different motorcycles and different disciplines mm-hmm. and different stuff that you did and you know you went to europe mm-hmm. and if you could go back to one year, whether it was, you know, the most fun you had, you know, the most success you had, you know, you got a big, you know, had a big paycheck, you know, from, but if you could go back mm-hmm. to one year, what do you think your favorite year was and what team and bike what would that have been? Well, the thing that first pops up and I, I would say there'd be a few others as well, um, would have been 92, my first year at Suzuki with Swans. Um, not so much being with him, but just, uh, the team in general it was a good group of guys the bikes were good we had a lot of success um that was a, a really enjoyable year um and then after that would have been i think my first championship year with kawasaki i had merlin plumley with me which you know i kind of got to know early on i think 84 with honda when he was merkel's mechanic then when we just you know we were still flat trackers and we were getting introduced to the road racing that was a good year as well um and i would say probably one of my other championship years would have been good too but you know for some reason i think 92 everything was clicking you know i was in europe i was getting to race the gps i was on a good team on a good bike um yeah that was a good year interesting right on. uh you got to pick one or the other maybe maybe who you enjoyed racing with more more talented Ricky Graham or Bubba Schobert? Bubba. Okay. Not so much on the talent. I mean, Ricky was very impressive, but Ricky was one of those guys. And again, Corey, you can kind of maybe vouch for this. There's certain guys you feel safe with racing, especially on a mile, that, you know, you rubbing elbows or shoulders with the guys, no big deal. You can trust him and put on a good show and race clean and close. And then there's those guys that, you know, you kind of got to give them room. You know, you don't know what to expect from them. That's kind of how a little bit, you know, Ricky wasn't that bad, but Bubba, you could count on Ricky. You didn't know what to expect from <laughs> Yeah. No, I can, I can name probably right. a dozen riders mm-hmm. <laughs> that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and that's, that's a common thing, you know, to me, you know, my most enjoyable miles were with the group of guys that you, trust it you know i mean you're still you're not going to give it to them but 
you knew you could race within inches of him and he wasn't going to do nothing silly or stupid. Who was that guy who you didn't want to be near? Like, did you have a flat track rival? Who... I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to name, name no names on that. <laughs> we like the, we like the dirt. <laughs> no. What about the guys you enjoyed with racing? Them? I mean, you got the race with Springsteen. You got the race with, uh, yeah, Jay was one of, one of the best guys ever. Um, Jay was very enjoyable. Scotty was another one. Scotty was one that, you know, you'd always screw around with, you know, you'd, grab his knee or some stupid shit you know like we used to do um that was just part of it we you know had fun go out yeah. there, put on a good show and have a good race and you know be you know be good with one another i've heard that with scotty it's actually i mean it's crazy a guy that has nine nine titles 90 whatever four wins or whatever it is that mm-hmm. he actually was you know, you never really heard any complaints about him riding you dirty. No. You know, he was always known as a super clean rider. And with guys of that caliber, that many wins, you're, you're damn sure, you know, you're going to hear something. Oh, he, you know, he took my leg out or whatever, grabbed my handlebar. Um, but yeah, you, you actually don't hear that with Scotty. So that's actually, um, you know, kudos to, to Parker for winning that many races and not pissing off mm-hmm. that many people. That's pretty, pretty good. Yeah. No, there's, like I said, there was a lot of good guys. And then, you you know, you always have a handful of guys that you, you know, kind of want to keep your distance or give them a bit of room just because you don't know what they're going to do next. <laughs> yeah. Well, you mentioned, we asked this earlier on the show, if you ever rode the XR750. So you mm-hmm. got to pick one or the other. The best XR750 you've ever ridden or the best RS Honda 750 you've ever ridden. What are you going with? I'd say the Honda. I got more time on those. Yeah. Um, you know, I did get to ride the NS as well. Um, as a junior, they put me on one of those water-cooled ones um, at San Jose and Ascot, and that was, you know, that was pretty cool. And then the RS was, you know, even better. Um, that thing at Ascot was a lot of fun. That bike was so good at Ascot. Um, and that's not really giving the Harley a fair shake, you know, because like I said, Carl's was my first one and that was before I knew anything. And then at the end, um, I think Tony Dodge built one for me and Steve Storch was actually working on it. Um, but it was, it was new and we didn't have a lot of time on it. And I think that was my last year flat track and as an expert was on that thing and Kawasaki, you know, said no more. They took me off the dirt. So that was kind of a bummer. What was your, what was the last, what was the last one you did before you went, before you went over? That was 89. Yeah. 89. Wow. Huh. Yeah. So you go full circle, Corey, on all this stuff. You know, you race amateurs as kids, turn pro, race flat track, road race, do all this. And then they start a new road race series and you go to work for that road race series company. And then yeah, you, are you, are you still working with Moto America? No, hopefully I can have, I'm working on trying to get a team put together to be in the pits rather than up in the, the tower. Um, I enjoyed doing that, helping Wayne and all those guys. You know, I started out as rider representative and then kind of worked into being race director for a couple of years there. Um, but it's definitely a hot seat. And, you know, I, I brought Thomas Stevens in with me and we had a good time, Dan Organo. Um, I mean, Dan's an old flat track guy too. Uh, we had a good time. Um, but it, it, it's just different being on that side of the fence. You know, I mean, 
you still know all the same guys, but, you know, I'd tell Thomas, yeah, we got the white shirts on, you know, they're not going to like you. <laughs> what? You know, but a couple of races into it, you know, you, you're the bad guy. You know, if anything happens, we're making the ruling or, or call on it. And if they don't like what we're, you know, how we're sending it, you know, we're going to be the bad guys. So that, that was kind of tough, but you know, I, you try to be fair, do it by the rules and you know they either accept it or they don't and you just keep going frank you have anything else before we let doug go have you any closing questions or I anything mean, i mean i was just i was just thinking right now like you know we said it like so many times that you know we can go on and on and on and i think i think just mm. the future just is going to call for a doug chandler episode too you know we yeah, dive deeper yeah. into yeah. dive deeper yeah. into you know the road race well we need to get some of these dirt track guys back over on the road race you know and get another guy who's done the grand slam shit yeah we gotta get someone else <laughs> it's been a while man it's still got, it's we still ain't got one i think well he was the, the closest one the next one we got jd beach doug he he's won an ama Superbike race mm-hmm. he's won the tt yeah. so if he can if he can few, I, he's got, and he's got a few it, flat tracks to win right it's hard for any dirt track guy now you know, to go over and, um, into Moto America and be, you know, just show up and for one, it'd be tough for that, for any of us to get a, a good enough ride to, uh, to get the job done. But those guys are just so, they train for road racing all the time and their talent level is just, is just through the roof right now. But JD, I mean, he's, he's got the super bike win, so that's the hard one. And obviously he's got the talent to, uh, to do it over here on the dirt. So yeah, I mean, it's, possible it's possible but after jd I'm, i don't know it, it might be a long it might be a, a really long time so yeah but i i think that was good and i kind of i don't know <clears throat> i've always kind of pushed from our side being the road race side was to try to merge the two and not necessarily make them have to ride a super bike to be eligible for a grand slam but you know, that twins class we run is very similar engine spec to what you guys are running. Same bike. Put a class together. Yeah. Put a class together for that, you know, just try to do a little bit more crossover. I think it would help both sides, you know, drawn spectators, fans, and, you know, riders more involved. Exactly. I've been, I've been talking with Wayne and Chuck a little bit. I'm trying to go, uh, go race at the twins cup this year in, uh, moto america Mm -hmm. someone's got to finish 15th so i thought i thought why not me you know i'm go over there and try and try and mix it up a little bit i think it'd be cool but um yeah no Mm -hmm. again i appreciate you for coming on awesome awesome career just so many so many great accomplishments in flat track road racing america europe uh like man we could go on for forever about it but we're gonna post a lot of cool Mm -hmm. pictures from you over the years on our pages and okay would definitely like to get you on it. And next time I'm out that way, Doug, I'm going to bring my road bike. I'll hit you up and uh, we'll go, we'll go do some, some spinning. Do you, what do you, you pretty much most of your rides are on in the trails, right? You're not a super big on road biking. It's a mixed bag, dude. I, I, I like both. I like the road. <laughs> I just don't trust the cars. Um, it's bad out there. Now, yeah. 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 And I've kind of converted more to a gravel type bike you know you can still roll it down the road but if it's windy or you you don't want to contend with traffic you hook it and you're off in the middle of nowhere on some dirt roads so that's that's kind of nice yeah a little bit more enjoyable it's not not as fast but 
you know, it's still similar. So it, it's a nice change. And again, it's, for me, it's seasonal. It's just like our, our dirt bikes. You know, I don't like riding my dirt bike unless it's raining, you know, and out here we got a couple of months window that we get rain that we can actually go enjoy the dirt bikes. And then once it dries up, it's like dust city. Mountain bikes the same, you know, when it's raining, trails are good. When it starts drying out, it's getting dry, slick, dusty, you know, clouds. If you're the fifth guy back, you're, you're not seeing nothing. It's like, yeah, it's not fun. That's crazy. Cause it's the opposite here. I mean, if it rains, we can't ride a dirt bike. I remember Briar always saying like, it yeah, rained, no, we got to yeah. go ride. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, rain. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. get to no, go ride. ride. I'm like, oh shit. When it rains around here, ride. we yeah. we can't ride. <laughs> so. No. No, the the next day is the best. You know, on the mountain bikes, the place we ride at behind Laguna Seca, it's got a lot of sand, so it, it can never have enough rain. Um, it's like I said, it's best the next day. And same with our dirt bikes, we got a place down south that we go to. It's in the hills, so it doesn't really sit. It, it runs down the hills, and the dirt's pretty unique. And it's the same thing. It's the day after a, a rain is the best day. It's so good. Rad. Well, I'll bring my mountain bike out. I'll hit you up. And uh, okay. we're, supposed, we're supposed to race Sacramento here later in the year. So hopefully that hopefully that goes through. I'll, yeah. I'll definitely yeah, hit you up. Good. You guys get a West Coast round. That would be real good. I miss it, man. I miss the Mexican food more than anything. I want to get out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but all right. Well, got you covered. <laughs> thanks again, Doug, for coming right. on. I appreciate it. Yep. And uh, right, we'll, we'll chat with you soon. All right. You guys take care. All right. See you, Doug. See you, Doug. Uh, Man, Doug Chandler. So much. I didn't know where to begin or where to end. There's so much to talk about. He's such a cool, soft-spoken guy. I'm, I'm more, more high-strung, and he's just like so mellow, just positive. Is he always that positive, dude, or what? Yeah, I mean, Doug's like he's a good dude. I mean, he's. he's like, I don't think he's, I don't think I've ever heard him be negative. You know, he's just he's like a, he's like a history book, and he's just full of wisdom. And you know, like you said, it is. It doesn't get you know, there's no negativity with Doug, you know, he's just a solid dude. He's always, you know, trying to push everyone. And, you know, he's, he's a, he's a good dude. And, you know, it just happens so that he's like one of the greatest ever to throw a leg over, over two wheels and, and have so many accomplishments. It's mind blowing. Yeah. It's, he's actually way underrated, man. I mean, what he was able to do, I don't even know. I wanted to ask him if he ever ran a full flat track schedule. Um, obviously I don't think he ever, he ever did uh because i don't was believe so, so. it doesn't so seem busy like it. doing just doing doing everything yeah that's the thing he's i mean even when he talked about novice junior and expert i mean for him just to oh i'm just gonna run novice till i can go junior oh um, you know he he could i he very well could have been leading the points and he didn't really give a shit he just jumped right up to the next group he wanted to race the best guys and that's that's amazing. I mean, for him to just chase that is, is just incredible for him to move through the ranks and, and want to race the best guys is, uh, is just awesome. So yeah. Oh, what yeah. A legend. The best of the best. Yeah, dude, I, I am messing around in the other classes. I'm going right, right to the top. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely, definitely. Oh man, just, I'm looking at the, the podium list here from, from back in the day and, just so many so many fast freaking guys it's just uh he raced in a really cool time so yeah good show frankie it was uh epic to hear doug come on the show i'm definitely gonna have to take him up on a bicycle ride we come out that way and uh yeah i definitely think we do an episode two with him sometime in the future and you know get a little bit more in depth about you know 
what it was like racing in Europe and some of the old stories that he's got. I'm sure he's got some, you know, I know he's got some really cool stories, you know, you know, we didn't even get to talk about his muzzy days and things like that. So yeah. I, I think there's an, there's a Doug Chandler episode two in the future at some point for sure. Yeah. I'm going to pick it. I'm going to wear a GoPro maybe when I bike with him and pick his brain, uh, <laughs> just get all the info on the GoPro when we're uh, cycling and just get all the good, get all the good shit. Yeah. He's, I tried to get the dirt out of a man who he didn't like to race with, but he didn't want to fucking pull the trigger on anybody. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know there's guys back then. Yeah. Way different personality than uh, Kenny Roberts. We had Kenny on. He was, ah, fuck this guy. So, yeah. Yeah. He's yeah, so, cannon. Doug, so Doug, Doug is pretty reserved. Yeah. Well, I want to make sure we shout out our sponsors again to make this happen. Bell, Bell Power Sports. Check out bellhelmets.com. Moto America, Road Atlanta, once again, guys, April 30th to May 2nd. Get your tickets. If you can't be there, grab that Moto America Live Plus package. DID Chain, add DID Chain on social media. Hit them up. The 520 MX Chain is what so many teams use in Supercross, Flat Track. The championships with that brand speaks for itself. Jerry Stinchfield, Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas. CommercialRoofSystems.net. We appreciate Jerry for just keeping the sport going week in and week out every year. Dunlop Motorcycle Tires, the official tire of the American Flat Track Series. The DT4, grab them tires. The, you know, appreciate Dunlop for, for supporting our podcast and the series and pretty much the industry in, in general. I, I see them doing a lot of really cool things for people. AIM Sports, at AIM Sports Data. Check them out on Instagram. The world leader in data acquisition. I'm telling you guys, the Solo 2 and the Solo 2 DL. Look them up, game changer. It'll definitely help you just with motorcycles, go-karts, anything you got, GPS, lap timer, check them out. And the Moo tool, the Slacker, look up the Slacker. Once you use this tool, you're going to be like, shit, I needed this tool like 20 years ago. Checks your sag, super easy. I'm an awful mechanic. Like I literally call my sister to work on my shit. And this thing is just awesome. So check it out, Slacker. Uh, Frankie, that's all I got, man. I uh, appreciate you coming on, taking the time noah chambers on the line working as usual at the beer store what's going on dude not too much man how you guys making out we are good dude i'm just pumped you work you work at a beer store yeah man the uh that makes a lot of nine to five but whatever you want to call it (laughs) my that's my family's place oh okay family operation here fully stocked with beer at all times though yes any kind of beer you want i'm a, I'm a beer connoisseur i mean I, not only do i not only can i drink a lot of beer but i also have a lot of knowledge of beer you know what i mean this is, this is why we get along <laughs> goes hand in hand it's funny because people probably <laughs> think you're like a gas station attendant or something selling slim jims just from our our previous pod calls and you're actually running like one of the <laughs> biggest beer distributors in like, I mean, in like Eastern PA, like it's huge. Like Kenneth beverage, look it up. It's uh, we'll do all. I think what a big, yeah, I think what a biggest distributor in Chester County. So. Yeah. It's a big operation, man. And, and Chambers is the man, man running it right now. So uh, <laughs> thanks for coming on, dude. Uh, what's, so what's going on with this Atlanta TT, man? Give us the scoop, the hours and days after after the last pod we talked about it. What was uh what was the game plan? So okay, so I like I was I was pretty amped up for it, dude. Everyone was like, I was getting DMs from people like, oh, like I'll I'll give you money, I'll, you know, you do this, do that. 
And I was fired up. I'm like, sweet, okay. And then um, I emailed uh, AMA or uh, I think it was I think it was Sharon or whatever about getting a pro license. And then uh, then I just basically had to go on and like renew it. So I went to go do that. And then I'm pretty sure I texted you and I was like, yo, is Bobby Bobby really paying for this license? And then like it kind of I just never heard anything. So I was just like, I mean, I don't want to throw him under the bus, but I was like, is Bobby really paying for this? He's thing? paying for and it. Like, dude. He's good for it. Just get it. And then I think and then I and then I think like something else came up in the conversation never went anywhere. And I was like, well, fuck, I ain't buying this. <laughs> but you know what i did do so and 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 honestly i don't know if they would have i don't know if they would approve me right now i really don't know i mean i'm sure we could make it happen but um just my word against them i don't think i don't think that would go i don't think they i don't know how much they really like me honestly um and so here's a question like is it still too late um i don't know dude i mean Technically not. When it comes down to it, are still like, open, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think technically it's not too late. And and I mean, dude, I I don't know. I mean, I'm always I'm down to race. It's just like, oh, we, I don't know. We got a couple. Of, we got a couple. Of, you know, we got the weekend to get everything sorted. We'll get Bobby Bob, Robbie Bobby sorted out, and and uh, I say Monday we just hammer all this, hammer it all out, and get you out there, man. Yeah, get man. I, I mean, I've been riding, I've been riding and stuff. Did you? Yeah, I mean, I'm, you... I'm going to be in Atlanta. Corey's racing in Atlanta. Like, I, I just think we need the whole squad. <laughs> Bro, we'll, we'll, we'll pitch you up right next to the, the, the American flag, G&G racing, uh, bald eagle pits, dude. We'll, we'll get you a, a tent right next to it. Honestly, dude, that's, that's, that's what I need. <laughs> I've been riding yeah, a lot, man. I've been, I've been riding. I've been cycling. I've been riding this two-stroke. And, uh, yeah, dude, I don't know. I mean – on on good the good news is I did uh I did I did renew my my outdoor license so um I got that going sign up for a couple nationals so which one um, what are we doing we got Bud's Creek Unadilla yep. Southwick High Point um so those those are the four that I'm, I'm definitely fucking do. John Dowd's gonna nice. John Dowd's gonna whoop your ass at Southwick is that guy still race. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I don't know. If, I don't think he races his son. His son races though. His son, his son's pretty fast. Yeah, his son goes uh, good there. Ryan Dowd, he's 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 pretty. I good. just remember watching Southwick maybe like four years ago, and uh, and he was on the gate. I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on, dude? Fucking uh, Tony, Tony Lavuso, dude. He was back in like 2013. I think he was on the gate, and he was like 45, and he finished like he went like. 15 12 or something like something stupid like yeah we ridiculous you know what i, I mean? don't feel like, bad not many, when that guy many, blows by me at, at pax he blows by me at pax i'm just nah like, he's he's a bad dude man some of them some of them older vet riders um from up north up there dude they're they're bad dudes man they're bad i think southwick is like pretty historic for like vet guys that have been riding their local dudes that have been riding there like for so long to do Definitely, well there dude, like, like it's crazy like there's no other track you go to on the outdoor circuit that there's like these dudes you've never heard of in the top 10 yeah no i agree dude if you go up there 
they have um typically every year like the top qualifiers like some privateer guy you know what I which mean? is crazy because it's gnarly i mean it's well when they qualify i guess it's like the first sesh then they just go for it but, yeah but it's a gnarly you're like a local thing, dude yeah. with a local dude with a fresh track like that track gets so nasty real quick too so those guys you know the the the, the slower qualifying group you know they'll get a local guy who rips there he's just not in the fast group because he doesn't do all the races and he go out there and send it while the track's all smooth and that's how that always ends up like that yeah yeah no i love it no they uh they they did the track map for atlanta dude did you see it yeah i looked at it dude it looks sick it reminds it reminds me a lot of daytona 2019 it's like the same track just moved it to one state farther north well, yeah, no, I, think turned, I guess it would have been 2020 not 2019 right yeah 2020 yeah yeah i, I think like yeah uh, it looked good no, like that, that Daytona, that wasn't like that first little hairpin at Daytona. Is it wasn't that dirt? Or was that no, all that was twenty nineteen, but the year the year it canceled because of COVID, it was pretty much the same track. It was uh asphalt through turns one and two, kind of dip in onto the dirt, right hander, hit the jump. I think the jump was farther farther down the straightaway at Daytona last uh, last year, which looked kind of sketchy because you were getting a, a a big old run to the jump and then pretty much landing in the corner. So now it's kind of out of uh-huh. it's like out of the right hander, which I think is better. Uh, land, do a a little right left chicane on the dirt, and then kind of gradually make your way back to the pavement, um, which is good because the part that I hated the most about it was the going from dirt to pavement. You'd like spin on the dirt and then hit the pavement, almost Larry Loop over down the straightaway. So this, yeah, I can remember seeing that like guys coming out of. Uh... I don't know. I don't know if that was turn one or whatever you want turn to call four it, or whatever. The, the last corner. Um, yeah, like the the transition from like dirt to pavement, you would be like, you could be like sliding sideways with the wheel spinning, and when you hit the asphalt, it would like look so just like unnatural, and it, it didn't look comfy at all. I was like, oof. Evil Knievel out of the corner, everybody onto the pavement nice <laughs> what afp should do if they real if they really want to get a lot of people out there yeah like the jump is cool and all cool you know but put like a fucking bus under that thing like make it you know what i mean make it like can you imagine if the twins were jumping a bus you know what i mean like you can make it safe but like or just dude, build people people would come to watch it. you could just put the dirt over the bus too like you don't have to make it like so we're evil eviling it you can make it look no, 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 it doesn't not have actually to be like be a death jump. Yeah, just put a put a bus. Yeah, you just have to yeah, hit like it. a tunnel like, tunnel jump. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How about it? I'm about it. I'm that? about it. Can you imagine? Shark tank? Put a shark tank in there? Oh my gosh! Incredible, dude. Was Foley? Was is that what is that what Evil Can used to jump a Harley? Yeah, bro. XR750. It, yeah. Okay. So, dude. So, was Foley would have to dress up like fucking red white and blue stars and bars big ass cory's got the cory's got the kid already cory cory does cory does have the stars and bars you have the kid i do have the kid yeah but i ain't jumping any school bus dog especially on my time yeah but it, it could be it could be safe i'd land in the hey did you know that evil frame would crack in half evil knievel's uh <laughs> you know the evil knievel's first jump was over like a mountain lion and like a, a box of snakes <laughs> I, no i've watched like some docs and i never i don't think i've ever remember seeing that he did it like a honda on a honda like 350 
Um, and it was, it was, yeah, it was over like a mountain lion and a box of snakes. And, uh, I learned that from, a from a wise man named Roland Sand. <laughs> no way. I want to do, uh, yeah. Did he... Go ahead. No, did he do that jump? Um, someone told me like before, like the first jump he did was like, apparently he did it to like, he worked at a dealership as like a mechanic or something, or maybe he was like a uh, salesman and he wanted to get like more sales more business at the shop so they promoted like this fucking jump and apparently he did i thought he did it in like the parking lot of like the dealership or whatever whatever it was um is, is that does that sound accurate or is that i wrong? think i've heard that actually frankie maybe i mean it would make yeah sense. i don't know that I mean, it's like what can we jump Bro, that guy well, jumped shit and he knew he was gonna fall he knew he was gonna crash he just still did it like he oh absolutely he's quoted as saying yeah i'm probably not gonna be able to clear this but i'm gonna do it anyway because all the fans are here yeah it's like hot rod have you seen that movie hot rod he's like right at the very beginning did you reinforce the takeoff ramp no we didn't have time like he still does yeah, yeah. He still goes for it what are you gonna do back. bitch out like you can't bitch out like, yeah no that no, movie a loser is phenomenal hot rod if one of the up, greatest if, if anyone listening has has never seen hot rod i strongly recommend it it is it is phenomenal get a beer sit down watch hot rod you won't be disappointed <laughs> no not for one minute no oh, i love it danny mcbride's in it for christ's sakes it is dude it is just great <laughs> i could watch it on i could just watch it over and over and over again that's like a once a weeker for me oh, shit. dude i had this chick over my house one time dude like and we're sitting on my couch and i've i've, I've never hung out with this we're, we're hanging out i i pick up the remote i put on netflix dude and i put on hot rod and I'm sitting there just like laughing at the TV and, and like, I watched it for like 15 minutes and I'm like, this chick probably thinks this is the dumbest thing she's ever seen. She's probably, she's probably going to get up and walk out and never, never call me again. Well, I made Amber sit down one night and watch biker boys with me. And, uh, and we're like 10 minutes in she, she, her mouth is open the whole time. She hasn't said a word. She looks over at me. She's like, you have to keep watching this. I'm like, yes, this is amazing. What are you talking about? <laughs> Burn rubber, not your soul. It's like, wait, did you? It's like, what? You're not enjoying this movie? <laughs> What's wrong with you? I'm like, literally, just yeah. giddy as hell, just stoked on Biker Boys, and yeah, and she was like, not into it. So I don't know, man. Oh my god, what a shame. But yeah, you, you guys yeah. gotta figure some stuff out. <laughs> I know. I married you. What's going on? Um, <laughs> well, dude, we appreciate you coming on. We'll let you get back to slinging beers and uh, and all that good shit. But yeah, let's let's talk off air here man let's see if we can one last go at trying to make this happen uh robbie bobby said he, he said he's got your license dude i got a place for you to stay uh someone's getting tired someone's oh I, 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 I have there's even a bike i can raise well we just need to make we got a bike well dude then what's the whole license that's all we need let's do it i don't let's know talk off just, the air, dude. really just comes down to what it comes down to is if they will approve it and I don't know if they would just take, I mean, I know I'm fine, but like, I we can know. get everybody and, listening you know, to the show on. to email AFT and we'll start the hashtag. Let chambers ride. Uh, yeah. Dude. We'll make shirts and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've seen this, there's some squirrely people out there. Like, I mean, if it was like a half mile, a mile, I'd be like, nah, I'm not going out there. But like, and it's going to be fast, but dude, I, I'd be, I'll, I'll, I will still be. Fast is your middle name. That's true. I told hey, I speaking of the jumping. Outdoor license. You're good. That's true. Apparently back in the day you could just like 
anything went like if you were like a pro like hill climb racer you could fucking race super fast right <laughs> i am speed i think i think um i think Vaughn told me that <laughs> he was like yeah dude back in the day like when i had a pro card like if you were an ama pro you were pro in everything they didn't care <laughs> i'm like jesus can you imagine oh man apparently that's how it went dude i don't know yeah yeah, I don't know, man. I seen this supercross. I might have sent you the video a while back. They had this supercross on like wooden jumps, like overseas. It was like in a. Oh my god! Yeah. You ever see that video? Ooh. Oh my god! They're like racing up the, uh, racing up and down the uh, the grandstands on like on like two by fours, and then coming out of like the arena and jumping like a wooden jump, and oh my god, it looked terrifying. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, it's me. All right, dude. Well, we'll let you roll. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll check in next week. But, yeah, let's talk off air and let's make this shit happen. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Good talking to you, boys. All right, man. Yeah, always, man. It's always a pleasure. All right. See you, Noah. All right, man. I'll see you guys. Noah Chambers, legend, as always, Frankie. Um, let's make this shit happen, Oh, my man. God. I can't get enough of that let's guy. Let's make it happen. Dude, he's got to race. We're all going to be in Atlanta. You're racing. I'm racing. You know, like I said, Robbie Bobby's going to be there. The whole crew's gonna be there. Like, it would almost not make sense if Noah wasn't there. Yeah, I was gonna say if he can't get his. I mean, dude, he was approved and never. Nothing's changed since then. He's actually ridden more. So, no. his, uh, yeah, I mean, he's got an outdoor license. I mean, I think he's legit. And I'll put I'll put my license on the table. If he qualifies last, I'll I'll quit. Like I'll retire. Like that's that's how much faith <laughs> I have in him. Like he's not gonna be the slowest guy. I think he actually will do pretty well. He's he's a really good rider. So, um, yeah, I mean, he, I mean, he, like uh, we all saw in Supermoto, like the fastest guys were the moto the guys. Moto guys, yeah. you know. This is basically a Supermoto. Yeah, you know, he, he's a moto guy. He's just, you know, I, he's gonna be just fine. He's definitely not gonna be the slowest guy. Yeah, and as far as his his conditioning goes and stuff, he's like the the number one sleeper. Like he's got a little dad bod going. He he drink like he likes to hang and party, but. You put him on a bicycle yeah. with a pack of like 12 guys, man, that are all, they claim to be good cyclists. And Noah is like at the front taking pools the whole time. Like, um, 12 pack of guys and a 12 pack of dude, beers. I, I swear, like, he, he'll go out the front and he'll, he'll take 10 mile pools. Like, he is, he is like legit in pretty good shape for, for what you would not expect. Like, so yeah, he'll, he'll be fine. We'll, he'll be there, guys. Oh, yeah. we'll, we'll get it, we'll get it tuned in. Yeah, I'm not. I got faith in him. I, I think we'll be just fine. Yeah. I think he's gonna be just fine. Yeah. So, but all right, guys, that's that's what we got going on for that. We appreciate Noah for coming on, and uh, let's uh, let's continue on, get the show wrapped up, and uh, get her dialed in. Middle of the day for Absolutely. you, pretty much. So I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna walk back into the office here as soon as we're done, and get right back at it. I still got some things I gotta hammer out and stuff, but uh, man, good show. Uh, you know. Doug Chandler, you know, there's not much more you can say. It's it's pretty awesome to have a legend like him, you know, be a part of this. And uh, you know, um, I think we got some other cool guys in the works. I think uh, maybe we get Tyler Behrman on next week. Yeah, Tyler Behrman, that would be that'd be a good one, Frank. I know I know you can you can make a call there and make that happen. So yeah, we're gonna keep the guests coming strong. Definitely hit us up, subscribe, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, leave us a review, all that good stuff. Also, guys, we want to make sure we shout out some races that are coming up here this weekend. April 11th, the Spring Clash Half Mile at Circleville, Ohio. The Pickaway County Fair. 
man, I haven't raced there in a long time. It's one of the most badass cushion half miles in the country. Practice will begin at 9.30 a.m. Adults, tickets are $20. Kids are $10. If you're a racer, check it out. Tons of classes. RPM Promotions is putting it on. If you have any questions, make sure you hit up Jeff Hires on Facebook or hit up RPM Promotions on Facebook. Definitely going to be a really cool event. Saturday, unfortunately, looks like a lot of rain, so they moved it to Sunday. That'll only make the track that much better. So if you're a fan in Ohio, in that area, go check it out. I know a lot of uh, really good guys are going to be there, pro riders, amateur, vintage, hooligan, all, all kinds of you know really good competition. Just make sure you check that out. It'll be awesome. Um, yeah, thanks for the support, guys. We'll keep it rolling. We'll keep it tuned in, and we'll uh, chat you next week. Later. Later.